Hello and welcome to the Voice of Manhattan Business. I'm your host, Andre Harshambo. On this weekly show, we explore the issues and challenges facing businesses in Manhattan. We cover everything here from taxes to land use to loads of tips and tricks about how to grow your business, your practice, or your life. First off, a little information about me and then we'll get right to my guest. I've been working in the media business for over 20 years. I've also been in Manhattan for 20 years this year and I've been around the city my whole life. I work for a company called Reach Local, which is a digital ad agency for local business. And I also host a mostly weekly show dedicated to the greatest music ever made called New York Standard, where you'll hear songs from the jazz world, Broadway, cabaret, and of course, standards. But enough about me. Let me introduce you to today's guest. It's Russell Rivera. He's the president of Voice Wealth Management. He is a CFP and he is a CFA. He joins us from his office on the Upper East Side. Russell, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How long have you been in practice? Okay, Andre, thanks for having me on, first of all. Uh, we've been in business for four years. Uh, we are a firm that focuses on helping individuals and young families make good financial decisions. Many of our customers are entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial individuals. They go out and drive business. Uh, and that's how they really make their wealth grow. But at the same time, we handle the personal side of that. So we are sort of a personal CFO and a bit of a financial therapist. So we kind of help clients make good financial decisions for their families, and we help them manage the emotions of dealing with money. Uh, sure, and, and it's funny. It, uh, so many people uh, disconnect uh, money from the emotional side of it, and, and obviously we all know uh, the way folks will uh, shop to feel better, that kind of a thing. But then the inverse is true, that when you don't have enough money, it's very stressful and it's very emotional. Um, so what are some of the things that um, that you do as a, as a CFP? And uh, I, I also, in the open, I mentioned CFA. Um, explain to me what the difference is between a CFP and a CFA, and then tell me some of the things that, that you do on a day-to-day basis to, to work with uh, families and businesses to make sure that they're making the right decisions. Sure. A certified financial planner, or CFP, is a person who is uh, qualified to help families make their way in their life with money. So to give advice on how to invest, what insurance to buy, and generally making financial decisions, how to plan their estate, how to plan with taxes, though many are not accountants, they don't actually do accountancy work. Um, that's kind of what a CFP does. They take a look at where you are, where you wanna go, and then figure out the best way for you to get there and help you along the way. A CFA or a chartered financial analyst is a person who is qualified to really get into the nitty gritty of investments and building a portfolio. So if you were to go to the website of a mutual fund company and then look at a specific fund and see who the fund managers are, odds are most of them will have the letter CFA after their name. So they can get deep into the weeds of a financial statement on an individual company and then evaluate companies against each other for holdings in a portfolio. 
For me, it's about understanding not individual companies because that's not how I think people should invest, but um, trying to build a portfolio and understanding how those portfolios are built and then putting them into a package so that when my customers are ready to invest money, whenever that might be, we do it in a way that's best for them to help them get where they're trying to go. Ah, okay. So that 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 uh, that difference is unique, uh, and I mean, and I have to figure it's got to be very very challenging as as we discussed uh, uh, before the show started. I mean, when you go out. Um, uh, when when you go out to any sort of a networking event, you, you invariably you run into um, someone such as yourself at nearly every event. How do you individually you know, sort of differentiate yourself from the the other guys that are out there uh, as CFPs and CFAs? Well, one is our clients. Really, we you know many CFPs are focused on finding people with money and helping them do that. Uh, I consider myself almost a little bit of a, it's weird to say, but when I'm I'm talking about helping people, I want to find people who have high likelihood of being successful because they're entrepreneurial, because they're going places, and help them get there. And of course, you know, not everybody will, but I want to help everybody who wants to do the right things and do it now so that they can get where they're trying to go. On top of that, I think it's about the emotional concept of money. So some people have, everybody has a different money concept for one reason or another. Sometimes someone had a lot of money and maybe now they have less or and that affects how they think about it understanding a client's money concept and how they think about money and what money is used for is really important to deal with them and help them get where it is they want to go because we all think about it differently and that sort of behavioral coaching element of what I do is really important. The other thing is the fact that I am you know, willing to work with younger people people who will make mistakes. We all do. I make mistakes every day uh, with my own money. So it's a matter of I skew younger, I help with the mental side of money, and you don't necessarily have to have a lot of assets to work with me. Yeah, I mean that that's uh, that's pretty unique. A lot of a lot of the guys that I've met over the years, they're very specifically looking for the um, sort of the four hundred pound gorilla or the maybe the four hundred million dollar gorilla. You know, they're looking for those those um, high net worth individuals specifically. And obviously, if any one of those turned up in your in your uh, pipeline, I would imagine you'd be perfectly happy to service them. But uh, at the same time, I would imagine, and in my in my own work at Reach Local. Uh, to a great extent, I enjoy working with the little guys and helping them grow. I'm guessing that's kind of the same practice on your side? Absolutely. It, it's amazing, you know, how many people are out there and are like, and say, hey, I want to uh, do something. And then they look at me and my, whether it's my credentials or just what I am, and they say, I don't have any wealth. And they say, and I turn to them and I say, well, let me ask you a question. Can you have negative wealth? 
Well, the answer is absolutely yes. If you have a lot of student debt and you really haven't done anything in terms of saving, you've got to figure out how to allocate the money that you earn that you get in order to try to change that situation. So those people, if they're willing to invest the time and the energy and, and how they think about things uh, to make those changes, they are, you know, they're, they're on their way already to, to doing the right things and becoming more successful. You know, it's funny. I, I always like to try to personalize these things. I was very, very, very lucky. I, I graduated from college. You, you mentioned, uh, uh, negative, <laughs> negative wealth. I, uh, uh, graduated college 23 years ago with about $60,000 in college debt, which is nothing compared to what the, uh, at the risk of sounding like an old fogey, what these kids today, uh, are, are graduating with. Um, you know, several hundred thousand in, in some cases, in many cases. And I got very, very lucky. I first, my first job at a, uh, at a college, my first real job out of college was decently paying. And, uh, when I think about it, my best year, I, I was at the, uh, the Christian Science Monitor had a radio network, uh, very, very, very similar to NPR. And they, um, uh, my best year there, I made $37,000. Uh, in the two or three years that I was there. And that's 20 some years ago as a, as a producer and engineer for their, uh, for their radio network. And I, I, I mentioned this story sort of twofold. Uh, one, just to sort of show, uh, a relatability, you know, the fact that I was very much in the same, in that position. But then also to point out that it's astounding to me that 20, you know, only a few, you know, 23, 24 years later, um, you know, th those kinds of jobs, that's, that's the pay scale for those kinds of jobs today. So the, so, I mean, I, I have to figure that your job in advising your clients, uh, with the money that they do have, or they want to have, how, how, how do you, um, look at the fact that, you know, a guy like me, had I stayed in that career path, uh, I would likely not be making, uh, I would likely not have gotten much in terms of a raise or, and, and, and in fact, I was downsized, uh, because from CBS, uh, for, for, for effectively having, uh, too, too high of a salary. You know what I mean? So how, and are you, are you in a position, are you ever in a position to advise your clients on, on how to sort of navigate through their own professional uh, uh, situation, uh, or is it, are you strictly looking at, at the, you know, what's coming in versus what's going out? Walk, walk us through sort of your process with that <laughs> massive caveat that I've just thrown out there. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, from, from a process standpoint, it all starts with your cash flow. It all starts with a budget. If you know what's going in and you know what's going out, then you can kind of understand, uh, prioritize your expenses and figure out what you have to do. The first thing I find with many of my clients when I sit with when I sit down with them no matter where they are is they really underestimate how much they're spending and then they are coming to me in part because they're wondering why don't I have more in savings. And they may be doing the right things by contributing to workplace plans for example, uh but at when you look at it, they, they just don't know how much they're actually spending. And, and so much of the beginning of it is trying to get an understanding of what that current financial picture is 
because if you don't understand what the current financial picture is accurately, how can you project forward? So sure. And so when and then it's like, oh, okay, now we know what your expenses actually are. Now we can know how to use those dollars, whether it's for saving, paying down debt, um, changing how you're spending and living your life, which nobody wants to hear, but may actually be necessary. <laughs> sure. And and then and start to really make positive change. Uh, th- that's what it's all about: is how do we take your situation and make positive change to get you where you want to go. And it's not necessarily all about, hey, I just want to save money because I need to accumulate money because I want to be rich one day. It's I want to travel more. It's I want to spend more time with my kids when I have a family. It's I want to spend more time with my kids now if you do have a family. So those are all the types of things that I'm dealing with. And it's not just about the dollars. It's also about, you know, things that also make your life rich other than money. Uh, sure, of course. Yeah, planning planning is so important. Um, I uh, I know in my own uh, in my own life, uh, really building a financial plan, starting to do that uh, a dozen or so years ago, made such a difference. Um, you know, for the for the first ten years of my career, all I did was. Uh, uh, a retirement account and you know it's fine for for some but there's there's so much more that you can do uh today and and i would imagine what what do you see as the greatest challenge that you face uh in today's uh not only today's economy that's one thing uh but then also the challenges in the workforce the the challenges that your clients and then not only that maybe more importantly what are the what's the greatest challenge in uh, in working with someone, uh, is it is it a, a disconnect in the the financial realities that they're in? Is it you tell me? You know, sometimes people know what they want, and sometimes people don't know. Uh, I have a recent client; uh, she, you know, has a fairly nice situation, but she wants to save more. She wants to buy a home. She wants to do many different things, and there's just not that much money there to do it. And so sometimes at the end of that conversation, you have to say, A, prioritize, and then you know, and figure out what their priorities really are and understand why their priorities are what they are. But then you have to say, you know what, if you're not going to do A, B, and C, this is not a realistic option in this time frame. So that can be hard sure. to tell to somebody. I I don't know how, given what your what your realities are, how you're going to save for a down payment on a house in five years, mm. right? Sure. And, and and so that is a tough spot to put somebody in. You have sure. to be you have to be honest. You have to tell them that. And in this city, when real estate's really really pricey, yeah. <laughs> You, if you really want to buy property, you very, very honest how someone is going to do that in their income because it's such a competitive market, and some sure. people really want to buy real estate and don't understand what it takes to be able to do that if you're wherever they might be coming from on the on the uh, asset scale. 
Sure, sure, sure. So here's a here's a sort of a general question. Are there are there particular types of clients? I know that you you, you like sort of starting at the beginning and growing with them. Uh, but are there are there types of clients uh, in terms of types of businesses that that that, that your clients might work in? Uh, or I, I, I have a, a friend or two that will focus um on on doing uh, financial planning for uh, the artistic community, for example, uh, actors, dancers, singers. Though obviously there are some inherent uh, challenges with that world because of the freelance nature of things. Uh, what's your bailiwick in terms of clientele? Our clients are typically professionals. You know, they may be doctors, lawyers, whatever. But I really like people who could, you know, who obviously people who consider themselves professionals, but I also like dealing with entrepreneurial people. And the reason is, is because especially if they do own their own business, A, they think big and that's amazing. It's amazing to hear. It's amazing to be able to help people do that, sure. help them build their business. And beyond that, it's, they're, 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 they understand the realities of limitation. So they may not have money to do A, B, C, D, and E and have to prioritize. They get that. Uh, they are very understanding of the fact that, you know, they, that their business interests compete with their family interests. They might have saved money or they might be earning money from their business and want to plug it all back into the business because they think that's the best way to go. And I have to turn to them and say, no, you need to, I understand that thinking, but you need to diversify because what if something you don't control happens and that goes bye-bye. So Sometimes it's a it's a it's a tough job because you have to be a parent. You have to pay play sure. dad. But that's what I'm there for is to push back a little bit and put the the barriers up and say yes, I understand and I understand why. Here's a it's a great idea, but let's not forget about these other things that that are also important. Yeah, sure. And I would imagine that the that those barriers. They, I would imagine they literally, being redundant here, they literally vary from individual to individual. I mean, everyone has different priorities uh, in their day-to-day and their overall financial picture, I would imagine. And, you know, and I understand why the, if, you're, if you are very entrepreneurial uh, or, or like an artist, for example, you know, they're not that much different. Their cash flows might be very different or... Uh, very um, you know, start and stop, and as a result, have to put into effect a different sort of plan and a different sort of basis than for somebody who's going to be a city teacher, they have their, you know, who's tenured. The situations are very different, and you have to deal with them differently. Yeah, sure. No, it's true. Very true. So we were chatting a little bit before um, uh, the show about some of the current uh, and I should say new Department of Labor regulations. Uh, and you were you were speaking to the fact that um, any any CFP or CFA 
who deals with retirement individual or uh, a um, prospective retirement uh, client that the rules have changed. Why don't you tell uh, the rest of us what all of that means uh, in 2017? Well, simply it means, and, and this is an ongoing process between now and the first of the year, but any person who gives advice to somebody who holds, uh, who retirement investors, so that's if you are investing in your plan at work, if you have an IRA, uh, anything like that must be a fiduciary, must do things in your best if you deal with them. So when you talk to your CFP or whoever it is, um, or, or whoever your representative is that they deal with, they have to act in your best interest. Um, that's the basic of it. Uh, before, they didn't necessarily have to, and that was a bit confusing. Uh, this is as a standard for investors, uh, of course, but there are some challenges because some people are uh, that will take customers out of their comfort zone and their customers might not be happy with. So some firms are getting rid of commission accounts altogether. Uh, so anybody who has a commission account will now be moved to a fee-based platform if they make a trade, for example. So, Russ, one of the things that you said in, in that answer was the commission-based uh, 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 products compared to fee-based products and you know nearly everybody has some sort of financial something whether it's something through work or something they've, they've bought on their own what are the differences between uh, a fee-based uh, uh, solution compared to a, um, a commission-based solution the real answer is who pays it so in a commission-based product um, let's talk about, for example, a typical A-share mutual fund, where, which usually has an upfront sales charge. Someone, you know, you might buy that fund and pay, buy $10,000 of that fund, and there's a sales charge. Let's call it 5%, okay? Uh, that You pay $10,000, and then the fund company or the broker-dealer or however that works on the back end pays a representative for selling that to you, that 5% or whatever that is. When it's a fee, you're paying it. But what no, very few people who charge a fee would ever say, you're going to pay me 5% up front. As a matter of fact, in most cases, you can't do that. I'm not aware of a situation where you can do that. So you're going to pay an ongoing charge for management of the account, for advice, for um uh, those sorts of those sorts of things that the ongoing service that you receive from your financial representative uh, in order to to help you make those decisions and that's a separate contract and then there's no money that comes out of the financial product like a mutual fund aside from otherwise stated management fees. Uh, Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. So Go ahead. So you're so you're actually paying the mutual fund company. The only fee you're paying the mutual fund company is for actual management of the account, and not management of the account and a payment to the financial rep. You know uh, what you're okay. paying the financial rep at all times, and that's uh, the way it okay. should be. 
Yeah, sure. No, I, I might agree. I might agree. So you you just mentioned that folks are changing their service models. Um, I know me and my guy, we've had the same arrangement for the you know the last dozen years or so. Uh, what are you doing uh, to to address those changes in in the the way you service your clients? Well, th- thank you for asking. Um, one of the things that I know is you know the, the the people that I work with, the younger investors, really there is a trend towards doing more things online. And so for me, one of the things I'm working on and hope to be launching very soon is more of a do-it-yourself service model. So instead of me sitting down with you so much, uh, so for those people who may not be, you know, uh, earning huge amounts and, and don't necessarily want to sit down with me for three or four hours a year and go through all these things, I provide clients with software that they can use to get their hands on their budget and keep track of all their financial accounts in one place and also still get two 30-minute phone calls with me. And so we can do that on a month. We basically charge for that on a monthly basis, and it's a you know do-it-yourself model um, that allows them to get an entry into the world of financial planning uh, doing just that without me, you know, without the heavy hand of me on them, I guess. Uh, and then, you know, if if they find that works for them, great. I'd I'd love to have a lot of people doing that and putting me out of business and <laughs> figuring it all out themselves. <laughs> you know, I know I, I know but, that you only half mean that. <laughs> well, you know, I, ideally, ideally, I'd really love. I, I wish we taught it more in schools. I, I wish we had people, you know, th- that people were more knowledgeable about these sure. things and and so that, uh, you know, so that people handle things themselves. For me, that, that that's a big a big issue is educating people to sure. with the tools, give, teaching people how to fish. Well, and, and, and you know, it's funny. Uh, there, there is a certain, I know, uh, we opened, uh, the show with, you know, the emotions, uh, and the emotional side of, of finances, et cetera. Um, finances can be a taboo subject. A friend of mine shared on Facebook a few weeks ago. He said, you know, um, the shame around money is just so, uh, it's so negative, uh, for the fact that, you know, we live in a world where everyone thinks that they can afford everything. And, um, you know, uh, so many people are in debt up to their eyeballs, uh, not even not even to mention the college debt, but like debt that's, you know, is strictly on uh, products and services. And, um, you know, it's almost like finances and and money and and these things are taboo. And then, uh, you know, uh, you look at the political landscape and, and, you know, the fewer questions that are asked about. Um, you know, where our tax dollars are going, oftentimes the better, because uh, you kind of don't want to see under that blanket. There is a certain level uh, of, of uh, you know, the financial world that is taboo. You don't want to talk about it because you're almost in denial of how bad it might be. <laughs> and I think that, and, you know, w- without getting on to, to a whole other realm, I, I think that's because we don't, Societally, we don't because it's taboo. We don't teach people how to deal with these things. Oh, agreed. And yeah. We don't provide. We, you know, in our educational system, we don't provide people with the financial skills necessary to get by. And so, from that perspective, 
people at all levels, wherever they are, don't make very good decisions in many cases. And as a result, you know, things are additive. You know, you you make enough bad decisions, you end up in a bad way. And, and I think that describes a lot of uh, things that are out there. And I, and I wish that, you know, I'm just one guy, but I wish there were a way I could really do more to change that and, and sure. to, to, to help the next generation do that. And that's part of the reason why I do my business the way I do, because it's great to talk to 60-year-olds who have done a lot of good things and saved up a lot of money. Great. But what does that do for the person who's 25, 30 and just getting going and doesn't know what they don't know yet? So yeah, yeah. sure. That's what it's about for me. Sure. Well, it sounds like you're on the right mission for you. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, of course. No, it's true. Thanks so much for joining us, Russ. Thank you, Andre. I really appreciate the time. That was Russell Rivera. He's the president of Voice Wealth Management. He's a CFP and a CFA. And he joined us from his offices on the Upper East Side. Also, thanks so much to you for listening. The opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the participant and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. My name is Andre Archambault. This has been the voice of Manhattan Business.